Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And today's show has even more meaning than I'm saying good morning, afternoon, and evening, because my guest today is from England. So he's in a completely different time zone, and for him, it is early evening for him at this point in time. And I'm so excited to have Mark Asquith on the show. He is an amazing human being that I just love and adore, and I've been following him for years and years and years. He's known as the British podcast guy, but he's a lot more than that. There is more than I can say about Mark than would fit on the hour I have for the show. So I want to just get right down to it. And oh, if you're wondering why I don't have this lovely thing on my hand anymore, it's because yesterday they said I could take it off except for at night, but I can't use these three fingers. <laughs> so I'm not able to do a lot yet, but I, um, I've gotten rid of that lovely accessory that I had on that uh, a guest, a listener to the show called it my flipper. So there you have it my update on my hand. Let's bring Mark Asquith onto the show right now because he's just been waiting so patiently over in, in jolly old England. I'm a patient person. Okay, and you're a muted. In my there you old go. Age. <laughs> I think um, it takes you, a while to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like we're on a delay all of a sudden. That is so strange. The internet, it'll never catch on. I know. This is just so weird. I'm getting very upset about these, these delays that we're having. But Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting and digging in and see where we go. You said nothing was off limits, so I wonder where we'll end up. <laughs> All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's just dive right in because I have so many questions, in, including some stuff about some emails you've sent out recently, some blog posts you've done, and some different platforms that we've been seeing you on. But where I really want to start, Mark, is you just seem to be able to have boundless amounts of energy. <laughs> you're, you're known as the podcast guy. You've created a, a podcast platform for other podcasters to host their shows. You run a business. You've, you, know, you have a family. Last time you and I talked, your nails were all different colors because your niece had put nail polish on your hands. So you're obviously a family man. How do you manage to do that all and stay sane? It's just clever PR, if I'm honest. I'm not really that busy. <laughs> now, I just, uh, I think the, the, this is as, as cliched as it is. Um, I'm just really lucky to be able to do something that I would do as a hobby for a living. You know, I, I enjoy podcasting and tinkering with software and making things and experimenting with things. Um, so I think that's that's one of the key parts of, uh, of that puzzle a little bit, you know, I'm not working all the time and I'm not, I've got a lot going on, but probably no more than anyone else at work. It just so happens that the stuff that I do eight hours a day is the stuff that I do four hours an evening. So it's, it's, you know, I, I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Um, and to be able to look, sort of look like I'm having a really good time while I'm working and, and to be able to call it work. So I think it's a lot of it is very, you know, very fortunate stuff, I think. Um, I don't think I'd be able to do half the stuff if I was doing like a nine to five. Um, I don't think I'd have the passion that I've got for the hobby stuff because, you know, I'd be trying to squeeze it in. So I think that's a big part of it, to be honest. 
Well, you mentioned the nine to five. I mean, you have a business. It could be for some people and perhaps some of the people that work for you be considered a nine to five. But yet I don't get the impression that even when you worked a nine to five, you thought of it like a nine to five. Did you? Oh, yeah, big time. I used to hate the office job. Yeah, I was off. Screw that. I was out at quarter past four. I was the, I was the best at blagging the hours ever. Um, I'd, I'd figured it out how to dodge the traffic. I'd figured it out how to basically get away with not doing any work in my last office job. It was brilliant. Um, but I was like 22, 23 at the time. That's 15, 16 years ago, which is terrifying. Um, and it, I mean, the world's different now. You know, you... you um, Yes, there were startups, but there weren't. There wasn't a startup culture where you would get people that wanted to show up and do a good job. You, you, you got a lot of people in corporate environments. You know, when I used to work in pensions and I used to do kind of tech stuff for them, it was, um, you know, the, the the culture was never there to support you doing what you wanted to do. All they wanted to support was the fact that you clocked in at nine and clocked off at five. And I was like, how can I game this system? Um, and I want to thank my last employer for giving me all the time I needed to learn how to code websites in my spare time on the sly, on their time when I should have been working because that got me to where I am today. Um, so thanks for putting those crappy boundaries in place and only caring about me turning up at nine and finishing at five because I had eight hours to learn my own stuff. Um, and it's, I think that's a big lesson. You know, I, one of the one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was um, I made this jump from uh, from being employed, well, maybe you know, maybe get time to go into it. But essentially, I made the jump into being um, a freelancer. And I used to do business change and project management on a freelance basis. And one of the first contracts that I got was for the Ministry of Defence here in the UK. Um, and I'm talking 22, 23 years old. Um, I went through the highest level of security clearance you can get. Second highest, sorry, I didn't do the DB one. Um, oh, sorry, DV. Um, and I was being escorted around special forces bases by guys with armed machine guns. You know, that was that was the working environment wow. I was in as a freelancer at 22, 23. It was terrifying. But the boss that I had, um, he was an old army major. Like, he was in his 50s at the time, like I said, 15 years ago. And I turned up one day, and he said to me, I don't care what you do. I don't care when you show up. I don't care how you do your job. All I want to know is that those lads are trained. And I was like, all right, I can do that for you. And he got the best performance out of me up to that point in my career. And I would probably only work three hours a day. And he didn't care because he knew that when the people working under him needed the knowledge that I had, they would have it because I'd have done my job. And that that taught me a huge lesson very, very early. Uh, so I sucked at nine to five. Um, I'm brilliant at 10 till one. You know, that's my, I'm, I'm good at that. Middle of the day, just get me going, you know. <laughs> Um, for myself, it's like 11 to four <laughs> and then pick back up you go. eight, 8 PM to like 1 AM. I'm one of those people. Those are my, mm. my premium times. All right. Well, you learned that lesson from that major, which is really amazing at the age that you were at with the project levels that you were working at and with the people that you were working with. What did you take from that? that really launched you into what you're doing now and how you're working with, even with your clients that are around the world and the people that work for you? Yeah. So everyone really wants to turn up to go do a good job. And I think that's the thing that I, I learned from that early on. Um, you know, it, it's, 
it, it really is just about doing the best that you can. And everyone turns up to work to do that. Like everyone wants responsibility and they want the ability to, to show that they can do a good job and that they care about doing it. <clears throat> and that was the biggest thing that I learned from that. And I took that into a lot of other contracting work after that. Um, you know, I had a lot of falling outs with, with bosses that just wanted the nine to five. And I was like, well, look, if you just let me do my thing, I will give you a better job. You'll get more for your money, but I ain't going to be here at five o'clock because the traffic's really bad. It's stupid. Why would I do that? What a waste of time. Um, and those that got along with me and understood that really got the best out of me. And that's what I tried to do, you know, for the team here when we're, we're building Captivate as an example, you know, we've got a team of 13 people building a podcasting platform and we're shipping new stuff all of the time. Um, you know, and there'll be weeks where I don't talk to the developers because I know that they're doing a good job and I can trust them to do a good job. And, and, and it's not because I've imbued through some amazing leadership, this, you know, this, this culture of wanting to produce the best. It's because they're really good at what they do and they want to do good work. Why would you not? Um, so I think that's the key thing. If you can just breed a culture of allowing people to do the right work and the, the good work, you know, let them really see what they can achieve. That can lead to really, really big things. It can it can lead to a lot of success and a lot of enjoyment and a lot of refreshment and and, and fulfillment and all the months, um, you know, everything that comes with 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 running your own business. And you know, a lot of people do treat, of course, you know, they work for our companies and they'll see it as a nine to five, and that's that's all right. Um, but I think it's all about just making sure they enjoy it and they want to produce the good work. That's the key thing. So that. That's something that I've tried to propel through not only, you know, what I'm doing now, but you asked about sort of the journey. You know, I was this freelance work I was doing was 2005, 2006. Um, and I, I sort of took that through to the agency that I founded, the design and digital agency. And, you know, we there's probably an interesting story there about how you get to a certain level and, and you know, and, 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 and things um directions change a little bit like i wanted to push more in that direction and the other director wanted to push more in the other direction and that you know you call it quits um and i think just uh, one of the other kind of peripheral lessons is, is just always having that bit of a true north for yourself you know i, I said right at the beginning I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to look busy because all the stuff i do is around the thing that i love doing you know i would i would be podcasting and building podcast stuff even if i worked for a pensions company nine till five, I would still be on a night doing what I do now. I can just do it for eight hours. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned with that, you know, that aspect of it is, um, you know, if you've, it's like creating a blog or creating a YouTube channel or anything, you know, doing one of these live streams or whatever, like, unless you enjoy doing it, you ain't going to stick to it. And it'll just become a nine to five. And it might be an 11 till four, or it might be a nine till 12. The point is, you know, nine to five, the words nine to five represent something that you turn up and don't really give too much to. And anything that you do that you're not passionate about will turn into that. So, yeah, a bit of a, a long winded answer. But I think it's th it's those lessons that I learned way back then that have allowed me to build upon them, um, which is quite fascinating, really. I don't talk about that much. I, I don't know if you have this commercial over there, but they've started doing a commercial and I can't even tell you what company it's for. Which so it's obviously not a very effective commercial if I can't remember who the commercial is for, but Dolly Parton was famous for over here for the song Nine to Five and the movie Nine to Five, and they're now doing a commercial with her singing a song Five to Nine, and it's with all these entrepreneurs launching businesses 
after their day jobs. And I love it because, yeah, we have this idea of what the nine to five looks like. So what happens with the five to nine? Yet for many people, they don't really understand, Mark. I see this with my clients. A lot of times, you know, they're launching themselves out as entrepreneurs and they're like, I'm working harder than I ever have. I can't do this. And I'm like, you know, if you have to do every single job in the business, just think about the corporate life you're leaving and how many people it takes to keep that business running. Now you're doing it yourself. Yes, it's a lot of work. If you're not prepared to do it, then maybe entrepreneurship is not the right avenue for you. For listeners that may be considering launching out on their own, um, what would be your piece of advice to them? Well, I think the, the entrepreneur tag is an interesting one. And I, that would be my first thing to say. Don't even worry about being an entrepreneur. You're a small business owner. Richard Branson's an entrepreneur. Steve Jobs was an entrepreneur. The people that can grow and scale multiple businesses and, and, and repeat that formula in different niches and different industries, they're entrepreneurs. You know, having a website and, and creating content, you're not an entrepreneur yet. You know, you're a small business owner. That is it. And that's the first thing to understand is that there's so much rubbish out there. So many people teaching you how to be an entrepreneur who don't make any money themselves. They just call themselves an entrepreneur. So be really careful of that tag. Don't chase the tag. Chase the money. And I know it sounds awful and people say, well, you've got to be in it to enjoy it. And I've just said the same thing. I love it. But you have to earn money. You've got to do it. Everyone bloody loves money. I love money. I couldn't buy all this crap that I've got behind me without money. I couldn't play golf that I enjoy playing. I couldn't drive the car. I couldn't, I couldn't go on a holiday. I couldn't do anything at all that I personally want to do without money. And a lot of people feel bad about saying that. A lot of people feel bad about, you know, saying I'm in it for the money. You are, you have to be in it for the money. You have got to be in it for the money. So don't chase the tag, chase the dollars. But with a caveat, don't chase bad money. So I'm talking about bad investment, bad clients, work that you don't want to do. Don't chase any of that stuff. Don't take the stuff just because you need the money. I would rather you worked a nine to five and then did your five to nine separately and stayed in that lifestyle for longer than do the whole, well, if you've got a plan B, you don't believe enough in your plan A. That is largely rubbish. And the reason it's largely rubbish these days is that most entrepreneurs that you see online that are teaching that stuff are not being honest. They started with 20 grand in savings that they could put into a virtual assistant. They started with people to do other things. They started with a redundancy payout, but they don't say that because it's not sexy. So a lot of that stuff, you've got to treat starting a business online the same as you would if you were opening a shop. Go and get that first payment over the counter. Get the dollar. Don't focus on the stuff that doesn't matter and the social media profiles and all the followers and all that crap that no one really cares about. Focus on making the money. Focus on understanding that you're a small business person, not an entrepreneur. That's all right. I'm not an entrepreneur. I've got five businesses and I am not an entrepreneur. I'm a small business owner. That is it. There's a distinction mentally that will stop you making ego-driven decisions if you think about it like that. So that's that's my number one tip to anyone these days is be a business owner, not an entrepreneur. Can you see the hair standing on end? <laughs> oh, that, oh. <laughs> that was brilliant. That 
Well, that, thank you. Thank you. I rant about that a lot. <laughs> I've never heard it put so eloquently before. And, you know, I've, I've tried to explain this to a bunch of different people and then they're like, oh, we're a founder, we're this, we're that, you know. And I, I look at what they've done and it's like, yes, it's really beautiful. You're an entrepreneur, you're starting your own business, you founded a company, but you've not developed it anywhere. You've not taken it anywhere, right? Like with my first tech company, I considered myself a founder and an entrepreneur. I built and sold my company, developed it into multiple states, right? With the company I'm doing now, I'm a small business owner. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And I want to elaborate on that, Mark, because you also talked about just before that, that you would spend all of your day long being a podcaster. I see so many people wanting to start podcasts because they feel that it will make them a ton of money and that that's going to be their only business. You know, they look at the Joe Rogans of the world. Now, Joe Rogan had a serious, serious career in a slightly different version of podcasting beforehand. He was an actor. He was a radio host. He was all that. Yes, I think that Joe Rogan has done exceptionally well, but that's the less than 1% of the population. So for people looking to say, oh, look what Mark's achieved, looks what, even what I've achieved, right? And I haven't even achieved anything, in my opinion, even though I was on broadcast for five years. Um, what do you say to that? And, and what do you think about this idea now that podcasting has become more than the guys as a uh, as you've talked about in the past in their basement in their underwear talking about comic books. Well, the good thing is that it's still that, you know, I'm just a guy in my, in my, in my underwear that talks about star Wars, you know, that that's what I do. And, and I'm fortunate enough to be able to run a business that helps other people to sit in the basement and talk about star Wars in their underwear. You know, that, that is still what makes up the vast majority of podcasting, the, the vast majority of podcasting, And that's all right. That is completely all right. The problem is that podcasting has been flooded with the gurus, you know, the people that <laughs> the people that will launch their own podcast and suddenly turn into podcast coaches. Yeah, that's rubbish. You know, and, and these are always the people that are teaching you to stay in your niche, by the way. Well, what's your niche, Mr. Entrepreneur Online, teaching every little thing that they get wind of? Like, what's, you know, what's your niche? So you've got to be wary of those people. That's the first thing, all right? It's not going to explode your network or 10x your business. It's not going to propel you into authority. It's not going to do any of that crap unless you turn up every time and do it. When when they've gone, when they've gone and they've sold the 97, course, 97 books course to someone else, you'll still be hoping to press record and keep that thing running, all right? So it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be. Now, podcasting works when you actually go into it for what it is, which is a medium to connect with people on a long-term basis. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect someone to um, continually turn up to a TV show if the pilot was terrible. Or if, look at the writer's strike in 2008, you know, the SAG writer's strike. Many shows, Jericho, um, even Lost suffered with this one, even though it was like the biggest thing in the world at the time. You know, people dropped off and things got cancelled. And why was that? Because things kept moving. Numbers kept changing. Schedules kept being shifted. 
it, it, it happens to the biggest people out there. So if you get into podcasting because you think it's going to make you a quick book or explode your authority or, you know, 10x your, your revenue or allow you to become the expert in your field, it's not unless you do it every single day. But if you do it every single day, you've probably got the discipline already to have been doing something every day anyway. So blogging will make you an expert in your niche. So will YouTube. So will Clubhouse, so will even Periscope, so will Facebook Lives or LinkedIn Lives or Instagram Lives. Doing something consistently will make you the expert. So podcasting is not the thing that makes you the book. It's not the thing you can go into to be a guru or an expert or, or to be the next Joe Rogan from an entertainment perspective. It's the thing that will act just like every other thing will act in response to what you put into it. So if you turn up to a business and you open the business up and you've got a brand new store and you sell candy out of the storefront and you get piles of footfall, but you sporadically close, people aren't going to come in because they'll be thinking, well, that place is never open. Let's go to the new place. Let's go to the old place. Let's go to the different place. And it's the same with anything. So podcasting in and of itself is no better than anything else. Now, why are people pushing towards it. Why do people think they can make a living at it? Because it's the golden age of podcasting. No, it's not. It's not. It's just the year that was better than last year. And last year was better than the year before. And what I mean by that is that if you believe it's this golden age, you you, you kind of put a finite period on it in, in so far as everything that is determined to be an age will end. Iron age, ice age, golden age. They all end. And I think if you approach it like that, people see it as this finite thing. And I think if you drop into podcasting with that expectation, you'll never get anything from it. Now, the way to benefit from podcasting and the reason why rightly so it is useful for people is that it's accessible. And I mean, it's accessible as a creator. You can plug the blue that you blew yet in like you've got there. Plug it in, get started. You don't have to worry about a camera setup and a lighting rig. You don't have to worry about a microphone and connecting that to the actual camera. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. It's just, okay, I need a microphone and a host. So in that regard, it's very, very accessible. But you're not going to become Joe Rogan unless you are as talented as the people that produce shows like Joe Rogan or John Harbinger. You're not going to be able to produce a show like the shows that were out in 2013, 2014. You can't because they've been done in 2013 and 2014. And then 2015 and 2016, everyone started doing them. So you've got to be really clear on what podcasting is. And it's a consistent art form that will allow you to build fans, authority, expertise, revenue, if you so wish, but only if it's treated like all of the other things that you would expect to give you those results, AKA a business or a damn good hobby. And if you don't put any effort into getting better at golf or training at the gym or into your storefront business, those things don't give you anything either. So that's a popular misconception that people believe that podcasting will just be like, right, I'll turn it on and off we go. Simply not the case because I've seen it in websites as you have. I've seen it with YouTube. We've seen it with um, SEO and social media. We've seen it with crypto. We've seen it with all sorts of things. You know, this is the thing for now. And sure, you can succeed in all those things. But you got to get good at them first and you got to stick to it. So, yeah, again, another rant. <laughs> I like your rambles, though, Mark. What I do. <laughs> A bunch of different thoughts came up as you were talking about that. Um, 
along with this bug that kept flying in front of my face <laughs> the whole time and going, keep, keep swatting at it. This idea of fear of missing out. You talked about the the golden age of, you know, I think radio back in the day, because I'm a lot older than you are. And now we're talking about the golden age of podcasting. And now it's like the golden age of Clubhouse. If you don't know what Clubhouse is, everybody, it's this new social media, social, who knows what it really is at this point in time, except they're really great at creating buzz, right? And all the big players are out there now and smaller players are getting into it, but they're getting into it to talk to the bigger players so that they hopefully will get something because they're affiliated with the big guy. This whole culture of fear of missing out when it comes to if I don't do a podcast, if I don't get on Clubhouse, if I don't get a handle on Facebook advertising or this, or if I'm not posting to YouTube, or let's just use this. When my radio station went to Aldi's Music, Instead of talk radio, I was like, well, I'm not going to go find another station. I'll just do it. Well, I started doing it with Zoom and I realized I had video and I went, well, I might as well use my video. And then I started getting to live streaming and, and all the other things. So in some ways I'm trying to take advantage of, but numbers have actually grown since I've added the streaming component because there are some people that like video in addition to the audio and my audio numbers have ramped up dramatically as well. What is it about that? And from your perspective of somebody who, you know, makes also makes a living off people creating podcasts, right? But is one of the only people I know of in the industry that says, you know, it might not be right for you. Yeah, it's a funny situation. Um, you know, I think the fear of missing out, the FOMO side of things is um, it's always there. You know, there, there are, there are um, so many people telling you to be everywhere. And I get the sentiment, you know, if you've got a presence everywhere, you can be found everywhere. And, 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 and you know, yeah, if you get in early to platforms like Clubhouse, you can build the next big thing on those platforms. But it's always the same people, isn't it, doing the same crap. It's always the same people that have got, you know, they're always selling something with a, a, a seven in the price. You know, they're always doing the same sort of thing where they skip from platform to platform when it's cool. But the thing is, FOMO is only real if you care about missing out. And what's the point in caring? I don't post jack all to Instagram anymore and my numbers have gone up. Make of that what you will. You know, I don't really do much on Clubhouse. I do a little bit. I do a weekly office hours, but the reason I do the office hours on Clubhouse as well is because I can just I can just get my phone and I can set it off and I can pop it down here while I do the office hours somewhere else. So I may as, you know, I'm not doing anything specific for it. Like it's only it's only fear of missing out if you care about missing out. And you you can't do anything without focus. You can't do anything without purpose. You can't do anything without um <clears throat> really understanding what you're doing and why. So I'll give you an example of this, which is a really old school example that many people will go, of course, Mark, if you did that, that would be stupid. So the example that I would give, which I would, I would then equate to the modern world is this, right? <clears throat> you run a butcher's down the road and what you do is you don't want to miss out. So 
a brand new advertising system comes in place where you can put cards inside all the major supermarkets and tens and tens of thousands of people every day will see them. Why would you not do that as a local butcher? Because otherwise you're going to miss out on all those people seeing the exact thing that you want them to see. So I go ahead and I spend all that money and I you know, spend all that time getting on my little card and my little posters into all these supermarkets in the area. And all these people see this and it's brilliant. They understand that it exists, my little butchers, but they've just bought all the meat. And guess what? They've just made the connection in their head that this is 10 miles out of their way or three miles or one mile. And I, whilst it would be nice now and again for a special occasion, I'm not going to build behavior there. Now, what's better <clears throat> doing that and seeing those big numbers and going onto a new platform and spending all your time there and trying to migrate a percentage of those people over? What's better? Is it doing that or is it picking one particular estate that people live on and picking one at a time and being there twice, three times a week, selling your meat, selling your meat, selling your meat? Who's that guy? Is the meat guy. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Guess who's back? It's Thursday. Here he is again. And six months in, you can quit your job because now you can add a Friday to another estate because the Thursday work is paying your wages. So that it's the same level of time and input and, and, and finance and everything, but it's focused and it's purposeful. Now, no one online thinks like that. Now, well, actually, that's not true. The people that have been online a while think about that because they've seen a lot of this stuff. But what happens is that your top level influencers, the people have got millions of followers and a team of people creating most of their content, right. tell you to jump onto this new craze because they can do it because someone else is doing all their other stuff. That's cool. All right. So investing that time in this new place, that doesn't affect their already running business because there are systems, processes, people in place. You as the small creator, the small business owner, the entrepreneur, if you look over there, you are not looking over there and something's going on over here and you've taken your eye off it. And all those people that you used to spend two hours a week with, they notice you're not there anymore because you've got a new set of friends over here and they could maybe move with you if they're kind of into the cool new stuff as well. But actually they're all right over there. They're fairly comfortable over there. Yeah, this is kind of shiny, 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 but just because you're an early adopter doesn't mean that I'm an early adopter. So that's what happens online, and it's in cycles. Periscope or Meerkat, who cares? Doesn't matter. Honestly, doesn't matter. Do we do Clubhouse? Do we do podcasting? Do we do YouTube? Do we do Zoom? Do we do Blab? What do we do? Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitter Spaces? Do we do Facebook Stories? Do we do Instagram Stories? What is going on? So There's so much you just do out is, there. <laughs> I know, right? what I do. Um, I should be a podcaster. I talk a lot. Um, <laughs> the, the kind of, the, the, the salient point with that is, um, you can only expect to grow if you can measure what is going on. So if I constantly change my exercise routine, I'm probably not going to grow. I'm probably not going to change. I'm not going to get any fitter because my body's like, well, I don't know what's going on. There's no regularity to it. And I don't really know how to adapt to this. So I'm not going to get stronger, fitter or faster because I don't know how to adapt to it. Same goes for business. All right. If you are inconsistent with being consistent. So what I mean by that is if you are consistently doing something, but that doesn't matter. So you're consistently trying the new thing. You're consistently trying the new angle. You can't measure anything. 
So you can't test anything. Thus, you do not grow. So what to do is just pick one or two things. They can be the new things. They can be the old things. It's totally fine. Just pick something and stick to it for a good chunk of time and measure whether it works. I literally have not posted anything to my Instagram for, what, two or three months? I don't even have the app on my phone. I just don't bother with it because it doesn't do anything. You know, all I do is really focus on Twitter because, frankly, I like Twitter because I, I, can, I can have a bit of banter with my listeners but also scope out what's happening with the Justice League film and what's happening with the Star Wars film, like it's all in one place. Um, so you can't flit about, all right? You have to be consistent. You've got to be really clear on what you're trying to achieve. And if you are the butchers trying to get your name out into the local area, go where the local people are. Don't go where you think they'll be. Don't go to the places where they're not going to need you. Make their life convenient and be at the place that they need you when they need you. And that's what it's all about online as well. But people just don't do it. People are consistent at being inconsistent. That is a, that is a complete, complete, utter base truth of online entrepreneurship. That was long. <laughs> this is the first time I've actually been able to hold a pen and write something even with not with my left hand. <laughs> And it's still really hard because I can't bend these three fingers. And I wrote so many different things like building behavior, consistently inconsistent, several other things I've written down here. That concept to me is, for all my listeners out there, that is something you know we've talked about on the show off and on for six years now, is this idea of you need to know where your customers are. And you need to know who your customers are and who they hang out with and, and what it is you do, right? And embrace what it is you do wholeheartedly, a thousand percent. But what I see, Mark, and I'd love your perspective on this, is it's very easy for, I hear this from my listeners all the time, but I'm not making any traction. I'm being consistently consistent, right? I'm, I'm here every day or whatever. I'm buying Facebook ads, or I'm, I'm writing an article for a newspaper or an online thing, or I have a lot of podcasters that listen to my show because I, you know, I write for podcast magazine, as you know, as well. And they're like, I feel like I can't get anywhere. What do you say to those people who, you know, perhaps some of them, cause I see this with myself at times, I look at somebody like yourself, somebody like the Joe Rogans of the world, or the, you know, not even somebody at Joe Rogan's level, but other people who they're claiming they've got millions of downloads, or they've, they're making this kind of money. And I go, I, I should be doing that. <laughs> so what do you say to people when they feel like they should be further along than they are? Yeah, it's an interesting problem to have, really, because you should only be further along than you are if you've given yourself the push that you need. Um, and a lot of people don't give you give themselves the push that they need. All right. So again, let's use a gym analogy. I can fill myself full of 3000 calories right now. I can eat a tub of ice cream and a, and a kebab and it would be amazing. I would absolutely bloody love to do that. I really would. And it's going to help me grow a little bit, but only a little bit. It's not going to fuel me. It's not going to push me properly. It's not going to sustain me. And 
the second I switch up my eating and the second I actually fuel myself and I eat the 3,000 calories of clean stuff that I can, my body can use, then I move forward. And it happens quickly. It happens quickly. And the same can be said for podcasting, for blogging, for YouTube. You've got to be a sniper with this stuff. You don't need a machine gun. You've got to be a sniper. So what you've got to do is you've got to take aim at the things that are going to work and you've got to keep on hitting the same place. And you've got to keep on hitting it. And the second that you think you're getting some traction, you double down on the same thing. And that's what people don't do. They don't choose somewhere to aim and to, to, to really hit and give themselves the shot in the back that they need to push themselves forward. And then they, they don't keep hitting it and keep pushing themselves and keep fueling themselves. What they do is they get a little bit of success and then they think, done that, on to the next thing. Ah. And you can't do that because you've got to keep perpetually hitting the same thing that works. And you only add another thing that works when this one is systematized or is exhausted. Okay. So if something's working, even if it's an uplift of 1%, do that 10 more times and you've got 10% growth. Okay. So what I would suggest with that is that, that you start to look for your quick wins. So let's use podcasting as an example. All right. For some reason, my show has plateaued, but I noticed that this episode got five more downloads than the last one. And I'm given a really low number there on purpose. I could say a hundred more or 200 more, but that's really easy to spot. Well, what do we do? We look at why that got five, just the five more episodes, uh, uh, downloads, and we double down on it. Right. What was it about that show? Right. I'm going to do a sequel to that episode. I'm going to take the same title and I'm going to call it part two. And I do a similar take on the show. I do whatever I've talked about, come at it from a different perspective, whatever. And I publish it and does the same. I analyze the social metrics. I analyze what went down with that particular podcast episode and I replicate it and I test each facet of it to see if I get the uplift. And if it works, guess what I do? I do episode title part three and I see if it happens again. But people don't do that. What people do is they go, where to say, okay, that was nine o'clock on a Wednesday. I published that one. Normally I publish it two minutes past. Better stick to nine o'clock. Makes no difference. Okay. So they test the wrong things and they don't stick to the test. What they do is they try and vary so many things. They try and do like a lot of multivariate stuff instead of just saying, right, what if I just do this one thing repeatedly? Like what will happen? And, and the biggest assumption that you can get wrong in podcasting and most other pieces of content is to assume that your audience wants variation. Why would they want variation? There are 2 million other podcasts. If they want variation, they'll go and listen to one of those. They'll go on YouTube. They'll go on Netflix. They'll go on Disney Plus. They'll go wherever the heck they want to get the variation. What they want from you is what you bloody do. So do more of what you do. Um, so podcasters are a weird bunch. And I can say that because I'm a podcaster. I'm allowed to say it. Um, and the reason that we're weird is because we think that we don't have to do any any work. Now, podcasters will get up in arms about that. You can tweet me if you've got a problem with it, at Mr. Asquith. Just tell me off. Honestly, I will, I, will, I will take it. But podcasters are a bit lazy, but not intentionally, because what they think is that doing good work will result in good results. But it doesn't. That's like building a beautifully coded website and no one giving a shit. Sorry. But the point okay, is... Okay, I'm not a broadcast. You can curse. Whew. 
And you know me, I'm, I get a little bit airy. But the, um, the point is you can code the website as well as you want. You can make your audio sound as great as you want. You can do the perfect mastering. You can edit it to within an inch of its life. You can make it NPR level. But you don't do the stuff that moves the needle. And that's where we get lazy. And it's not intentional. It's because most podcasters don't know what else to do. They don't know how to do the marketing. They don't know how to do the one test to look at whether they can replicate the 5% uplift or the five download uplift from the last episode. They don't know how to do that. So they lean on the things that they do know how to do, which is to produce more and more content, which gets you more monthly downloads, but not more people listening. So it's a fallacy. So there's a lot to unpack there, but the basic of it is this. Stop worrying about what you're producing. Get something out that's just good enough. Perfection is the death of progress. So stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to be great. Just be good enough. Get enough good quality audio out there that's good enough. And instead, try and experiment with marketing. You don't have to be a marketer to, 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 to experiment with marketing. All you have to do is to say to yourself, what if I did five parts of this highest ranking episode that I've got? So two years ago, I did this episode that's done really, really well. What if I revisited that, broke it down into five parts? That will tell me whether that subject matter is the thing that made the difference. And then we devise more and more tests and we test certain other things. But I, mean, I could talk about that all day. But that's what podcasters don't do is they assume two things. One, variation is good. And they assume then that just by doing more work will result in better results. And it's not the case. And we're, we're, we're accidentally lazy because we lean back on just what we know, which is production. We all do it. I do it as well. And, and that's not just podcasters. I mean, I no. see this all the time with business people all, all the time as well. There were a few things I want to unpack in, in what you just talked about to go a little bit deeper and ask some follow-up. One aspect of what you talked about was, you know, f looking at what content you're putting out there and everyone listening, this is not just for podcasters. You can apply this to your business. The question I'm about to ask doesn't really matter if you're podcasting or not. So you say this episode has done really well, or this product has done really well that you've sold. So you go, okay, I'm going to do another one like that. What if you discover that it's not really the topic? It's just because that other person really promoted it for you, or um, you got somebody to talk about this product you sold and it kind of went viral that way, but the next one, not so much, even though it looks like the same thing. Can you talk about that some more, Mark? Because I think it's a really important distinction to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what people tend to do with that is they will focus very much on the what happened, not the why it happened. So they'll focus on, yeah, but this person tweeted it and this person shared it on the LinkedIn and put it on their email list or did a live stream about it. So they focus on the what and they confuse that with the why. So what I mean by that is that if I ever say to someone, well, why? They'll say, well, it grew because of these things that this person did. So they even misunderstand what the question of why means. They, 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 they interpret that as why did this episode do well and turn it back into the what happened. But really what's key with that is why did this person care enough to do it? Or 
why did this person have such a barrier, a low barrier to sharing it or to making it go viral that they were able to do it? Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, you've got someone talking about something that they never talk about. You know, I, uh, I, I do a, uh, a lot of speaking when we're allowed over on, you know, in the States with COVID and sort of talk, talk a lot of, of different conferences post and pre-COVID um, and bump into inevitably the same sort of people as me. And, you know, we strike up conversations about things that aren't work. So I might talk at a social media conference and actually all the speakers that I talk to, we don't talk about social media. We talk about DC Comics and Star Wars. And what happens is, we form these inevitable connections. So as a great example of this, Mike Vardy, the productivityist, he and I can talk productivity and SaaS and software and building business and entrepreneurship all day long, but we never do. We always talk about who's the better Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner or Hal Jordan. He's on the Hal Jordan side. I'm on the Kyle Rayner side. Now, we can still talk about the other stuff all day long, but I am much more likely to share an episode with Mike where we go, actually... Here's all this productivity stuff and business stuff. Like, go get that. That's a given. But I'll share the episode where we talk about the Kyle Rayner stuff and the Hal Jordan stuff that includes all the other stuff, the business stuff, but where we have five minutes digressing. Why? Because it's fun and it's a bit of banter. It's a bit of back and forth. And it lets my audience into something else that I like that Mike has pulled out of that conversation. So that's, that's the genuine why I would share that as opposed to, the why did it do well, which is actually just the what did they do disguised. So that's one part of it. You've got the person to do something that they don't normally do. Talk about something they don't normally talk about, care about something, laugh about something, get upset about something, discuss something that they, you know, that, that people assume they don't want to talk about. You've gone the extra mile. So that's normally the first why people do things like that, you know, your guests. The second reason why people normally do things like that is because honestly, they benefit from it. So what I'm talking about here is, you know, let's assume that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm always one of those entrepreneurs that says I've got to be everywhere. And I like to post tweets. I like to post LinkedIn posts and whatever, but it's really hard to create that content. Well, guess what? If you create some content that's got my voice on it, of course I'll share it. And if you send it to me and make it a no brainer, give me the text, give me the swipe files, give me everything that I need. I will probably do that. Now, it's a basic thing, but even though podcasters do this, they do it a little bit lazy. And let me explain. Yeah, please do. They ex- they, they do it in such a way that looks like it benefits them. And of course, it bloody benefits the podcaster. But what they do is they'll send me an email saying, Matt, it would really benefit my audience and benefit me if you would share this. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Yeah, all right. No doubt. <laughs> simple tweaked and that happens all of the time all right that's like twinned it's that's the twin email to i'd love to be on your show i love the podcast i really like episode 12 i'd love to be a guest i'm like well episode 12 is the episode where i tell you that i don't have guests so clearly you've not listened to it like that's that's (laughs) what's that all about um so a simple tweak to that is i think this content would benefit you do what the heck you want with it. Here's some audiograms I created. Here's some images. If you want to use it, all well and good. Here's the MP3 file, or here's my share link. Here's my embed link. Here's my player link. Here's the direct CDN link from my host, whatever. I think it would benefit you. Use it however you wish. Oh, and by the way, 
I recorded you a 30 second testimonial as well. You might not need it, but here's me, you know, saying, Hey, this is, uh, this is Mark Asquith just telling you how great Laura was as a host, blah, 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 blah. Just have the audio, just do what you want with it. Of course I'm going to share that. I'll be like, Holy crap. Look what Laura did. This is badass. You know, I'm going to want to do something with it as opposed to just, it would benefit my audience if you would share this. Well, not really, right. would it? Um, and again, it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of a problem in podcasting because I tell you, right. So the second thing people teach in podcasting is this. So they teach you, the gurus, they launch their podcast and then they teach you how to launch your podcast, but they've not figured out how to grow a podcast or how to make money doing one yet. So they can't teach that stuff because they don't know how to do it. Have a look at every podcast guru. No one teaches that. No one. Right. So the second thing that they do, one of the when they want to make a little bit more money out of you is I will teach you how to systematize and build processes around your podcast. And that is because it's the only other thing they can do to make any money off you, the podcaster that's bought product one, how to launch. Right. So then what happens is they teach you how to automate and to systematize. Now, I've got a post coming out next week about automation, probably if I get around to writing it. But what I'm talking about here is the automation that takes away the personal element of podcasting. So they teach you to template your emails. They teach you to template this and to template that. And that's fine from a processor's perspective, but you better believe that that ain't going to help you to grow because podcasting is not like it was in 2013 with 250,000 shows out there where it's a novelty to be on a podcast and you'll take the systematized templated email because you're not getting any other email from podcasters. Now there are 2 million people doing it and the majority of them are using these templates and these systems and these processes. And you can stand out by actually being a human being. That will get me to share. Okay, so you've got to be a human about it. It's like um, it's like marketing. You know, everyone goes on about social media marketing and all that stuff, and they go on about um, they go on about you know what's the easiest way to kind of automate everything and scale things up. But you know, if that butcher that I talked about earlier send me a, a handwritten letter in a bloody wax sealed envelope, I'd be like, this is badass. I am absolutely going to buy yeah. my sausages from this person. And so it's gone back to. It's gone back to the day when like personal, personal works. Um, so there's a lot, again, a lot to unpack on that one. But podcasters are really focused on systems and, and so they should be. But what they do is they take out the personal. They take out the personal, you know. So that's that's very important to understand, I think. I love it. And every email you've ever sent, anything that you send, there, there's always that little personal aspect to it. And I love it. And I'm just showing you my little Yoda. Ah. <laughs> do you know a funny point on the emails by the way laura on that front a lot of people email back i got one yesterday um i'm sure this email is automated uh so this was an email that i sent about uh i can't remember what did i i sent something about my podcast yesterday the long probably form. about your podcast launch accelerator and your open hours oh. and things like that yeah, it'll have been something like that. In fact, it was my Descript tutorial, three ways to oh, use Descript love that to one. make a book. Thank you. And it was like, I just wrote that. You know, it came, It landed at like 12 p.m. I finished writing at like 11.30. So and it, uh, some, someone replied. It inevitably happens every week. I know this is an automated email. You've got my name wrong. This annoys me. And I'm like, well, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I wrote the name. Uh, sorry, I wrote this uh, this email about half an hour ago. Um the reason your name's wrong is because actually when you signed up for the product, you put your name in wrong. 
So that's cool. I can correct it for you. But like, if you're not called John, yeah, I, I apologize. But you, you, know, you put it in. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a funny scenario because when I reply and I'm like, oops, and I have a little bit of bants and I kind of show a little bit of humanity and say, yeah, my bad fat thumbs. Look at me. Uh Oh, not very good at that sort of stuff. They're just like, ha, oh, brilliant. No worries, dude. Thanks for that change. So they're instantly disarmed. Now, if you, if you as a podcaster take or that notion, doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyone, business person, blogger, YouTuber, anyone that's trying to communicate and sell, take that disarming of that person and take the, the, take the reason that they were disarmed and turn that into marketing. It becomes relatively easy to market. And what I mean by that is that people aren't used to a human being talking to them. It's now a selling point in the UK for companies on their advertisements, their commercials to say, we have a UK based call center or we are real people. It's now a selling point because they are so used to talking to bots and to chatbots. Right. So if you can just, as a podcaster, and this is, again, another tangent, but if you can create something that I call the, uh, a presence promise, a promise to be around at a certain time, that's why I do my office hours for the Launch Accelerator, I will be there, and if I'm not there, because I'm poorly, I'll get knocked down, someone from the team will be there at 11 a.m. Eastern every single Friday. Like That is a promise to be present, and it's a real human personal thing and you can turn up and you can ask me any question you want about launching a podcast and I will answer it and you'll see the dog walking around and sometimes I'm going to drop my drink on my roadcaster and sometimes the camera's not going to work and sometimes I look like crap because I'm having a late night but I will be here and it will be me the person but podcasters don't want to do that because it doesn't scale well it does scale of course it does you do it to one person and a thousand can turn up that's the whole point of it so again I don't even know if I've digressed. I can't remember the original point, but there's a lot in that. <laughs> digressed in the way I was hoping that you would lead that with the question that I was asking. <laughs> so it is more than fine, Mark. Um, I, I always love the tangents you take and how you allowed me to let you go there. So thank you for that. <laughs> no, no, no. Good, good, uh, good hosting. That's a sign of a good interviewer. Point me in the right direction. Yeah, I found over the years, Mark, and it's just my style, right? Because it's a very personal thing, is I I don't script out my shows. I have an idea of where I want to start going and some points I want to get. But I've often thrown those out the window because of something my guest says that I'm like, oh, I want to click on, I want to follow that thread. <laughs> and to me, that that is what letting somebody shine is all about. Is, is doing this. So thank you. That means the world coming from you. you. We're getting close to the end of the show. So um, I do want to make sure you can share some things, but I, I do have to um, digress a, a bit of a moment because of what you said about Green Lantern. I, I'm, I'm not with you with who is the best Green Lantern. but <laughs> oh, Who is the best Green Lantern then? Who do you think? Not the one you like. <laughs> oh no, not again. <laughs> But, you know, that's that's the great part about the fandom. You know, uh, I went to the second ever Star Trek convention that was ever held in the world. It was in New York City at the Hilton Hotel. The entire cast and Gene, plus Gene Roddenberry and wow. um, most of the guys that wrote the episodes were there. There was a riot at the hotel because they oversold it. I was on the news because... 
they caught me on camera trying to walk up an escalator the wrong way because they wouldn't <laughs> let me back up. And I'm like 13 years old. <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. And, and it was really amazing. And But I'm also a massive Star Wars fan. I remember being in the theater when Star Wars came out and I still have the t-shirt I bought at the candy counter, the original Star Wars. I have the original Star Wars album, the whole bit. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm laughing with all that because to me, that is so much about one of the things I love about you is those conversations. And I was in physical therapy yesterday when they told me could take it off there. And they're like, well, how does it still hurt? And I'm like, when I try to separate my fingers and they're looking at me strange, I'm like, you know, when you try to do live long and prosper <laughs> and, and you just, it's too painful. And they looked at me at first and then they burst out laughing. <laughs> I love that. Do you know, my girlfriend's kind of got a tendon thing going on as well. She sleeps with the supports on both of them now, bless her. But it's getting better because of the supports. And she literally, the other day, did the same thing. I was lucky enough to get a new PlayStation. I don't buy stuff like that because I'm really bad with it. But I got one because I was like, that Spider-Man game looks brilliant. So then, like, fast forward three weeks. I was like, oh, what happens? What hurts? She was like, well, it's when I move them in a certain well, and she's couldn't explain it. And she went, you know, like Spider-Man, you know, when he does that. And I was like, oh, okay. This is, uh, we geeks are uh, and now everywhere. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And somebody said to me, cause they didn't like my story about how it happened. I, somebody had sent me a box from Harry and David and it ended up being chocolate truffles. And I went to pick the box up and they're like, oh no, that story is just no good. You have to have a better origin story. They're like, so just pretend you were Spider-Man and you know you got this repetitive injury because there was a problem making web. Love it. I love it. Well, that's definitely the story you got to stick to. <laughs> <laughs> but only my geek friends will totally get it. So yeah. But, <laughs> exactly. All right, you know, so incidentally more as well. Just to finish that point, I genuinely get more work or I got more work for the agency by being a DC and Star Wars fan than any marketing ever. Because people are just people. Like, you like Star Wars, I like Star Wars. We're going to talk more. That's how it works. You know, that's people, people are scared of that stuff, which is, which is weird, you know. Just be yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, this is always by my desk to remind me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and I know you have in the back of the room, you've got Darth Vader and a stormtrooper, but you also have Yoda sitting there. So um, I'm not going to complain about that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I've got plenty so, of weird stuff down there. <laughs> I know that's a show for a whole nother day and they can get all that <laughs> stuff on any of the stuff you do, all your DC stuff, all your Star Wars stuff. To me, it's, um, I even talked about it in my bookmark, the whole idea that of the force about being connected to something bigger and allowing yourself to drop in. That to me, I'm just going to give a little shout out. Obviously, people know you're on my show because I love you and I love the stuff that you do. But you're one of the most um, integrous and honest people in the industry that I know. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, uh, it's, it's weird, isn't it? People, like, people always ask how you kind of stick to doing that. And I was... It kind of baffles me because you like it's just how you want to do business, isn't it? That's always amazed me. That it was in, it was always the same in the agency days. Like you just you're trying to sell a website, and you know you kind of got to be honest about it. You can't pretend about stuff. And people were it amazes me that people were surprised by that approach. I don't know what else is going on, but it just feels obvious to just be honest. You know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yet, so many people, so many of those gurus out there are trying to turn people into a copy of somebody else. 
And I love that you talk about, and it's what I talk about on the show all the time, be you, because you can't maintain not being you. So Mark, how do people get in touch with you? I, I know you're doing Podcast Launch Accelerator right now, which is a wonderful program. I've sent many people to it, and I know they're following along with you right now. But what's the best way to people to get in touch with you? Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic, by the way. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, the easiest way is, is probably on Twitter. That's my, my conversation area of choice. So just at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. And, uh, you know, as you said, just the podcast launch accelerator is at Podcast Success Academy dot com um which anyone can just use that for free so yeah see you on twitter at mr asquith right and you also for people who are looking to podcast and they need a host mark has captivate and several other things and you can reach out to him and talk to him about that i want to thank you so much so much for being here on the show today it's my sincere pleasure honestly it's always good to chat to you anyway and to do it live and to chat about a range of things is uh, is a lot of fun so yeah i'm hoping to be able to see you in person soon uh, after covid whenever that may be. But thank you. This has been awesome. All right. Hang on and, and I'll be right back to you. All right, everybody. I don't know about you, but even with my hands like this and unable to do live long and prosper with it, I took a whole bunch of notes that I could um, with some of the stuff that Mark talked about. This will be going up to podcasts or perhaps you're listening to it live on the podcast platform of your choice right now. At the end of the day, what matters, as Mark said, is being you. Don't try to recreate somebody else's idea of success. Find success for yourself and decide what that is and then go after it. And if you need help, reach out to Mark, reach out to me. We're all here to help you succeed in whatever you choose to do. And remember, at the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.